Welcome to this episode of the Atlantic Career Journey Podcast. Today's guest is Kelly Vogel, who most recently was Director of Product Management at Cox Automotive. I first met Kelly when I was at Mannheim, and we worked together in their online division. I found Kelly to be smart, collaborative, and extremely customer-focused. We took different paths into our product management careers and look forward to hearing more about her journey. So welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a while since we talked, so it's always great to catch up with old friends. Yes, I know. I know. We've been keeping in touch over the years. We kind of check in, so it's yes. good to kind of get a good good session in. Yes, and I, I get a little uh, little reminiscing about uh, raising kids that are you know younger than mine. So it's always fun to hear your, your experiences <laughs> for sure. You're going to be my mentor getting through the teen years. <laughs> <laughs> so Vikas and I have talked about that too in the past. So mm-hmm. it's good fun. But anyways, let's start with you. So tell me a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I'm from Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, and mm-hmm. I very much miss being at the beach. Uh, it was a, a great way to start out. Um, but uh, yeah, I went to Hilton Head High School. I was into student council and French competitions and things like that. So I was not an athlete at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the rowing team, which, you know, they're athletes, but um, I, I don't know that I was. They're the serious athletes, team. you know, yeah. you, you know, I used to <laughs> get on a boat. It's brutal. Yeah, it is. It is. So, um, but I, I don't know that I was a shining example of <laughs> the athletic <laughs> version of that. So participation, um, though. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I loved that. I loved that. And uh, really wish I continued that into college. But yeah. Did, um, so did you have an opportunity to do that and just decided to do something different or, I mean, uh, no, I was just, you know, headed into college and mm. that was distracting enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was just trying to figure out what it meant to be away from home for the first time, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of take that journey. You know, it was just, you know, I was nervous and, and, uh, excited about that. So I don't, I just, decide yeah. clean slate and just kind of totally understand where it led me. <laughs> I did that with band. Uh, you know, I could have played in college. I'm like, nope, nope. I'm ready to try something new. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so tell me about French. How'd you get involved in French in high school? Are you, did you, did you travel abroad or, or do your parents speak the language? Uh, no, my parents don't speak another language, but my sister was in French. And uh, so, you know, a lot of my life I've, you know, kind of seen what she's done, you know, in those early years and, mm-hmm follow her model. So, uh, she was into French and, uh, so I decided to try it and loved it. I was good at it. Don't ask me to speak it now. <laughs> it's been a long time, but, uh, I just loved it. And I would do these competitions where you have to recite a poem Okay. and, uh, you know, it was just kind of weird or different, but, um, then we had these, uh, academic challenge competitions. And, you know, I was always killing it in the French competitions. So it, nice. I don't know, it just kind of came naturally to me and, and I loved it. So that's cool. Um, I, I did travel to Europe once in the first time I was in high school. Um, we took a school trip there. So of course that, that lit the spark and, mm-hmm. you know, I have been back s- several times since then. Uh, but, you know, for a teenager, boy, that's, that's, a really great experience to have. So yeah. So yeah. I got to speak some of my French there. <laughs> That's really cool. And so for, for somebody in high school, cause I know I didn't travel anywhere, not even really in college, but um, to have that exposure, did you come back with a different um, outlook on life or what, you know, what things you wanted to maybe focus on? Was it life-changing in, in certain ways that you acted on? You know, it, it really was that trip for me 
was just really getting exposure to those other cultures and understanding how differently people live their lives. Mm -hmm. And I was also amazed at how you could have France and Italy right next to each other and their cultures were so different. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought, why is there not more bleed through here of those cultures? So that that was just really interesting to me that they could kind of maintain their identities in such close proximity. Um, It was really in college. Uh, I went, um, I went to left, left home, went to Columbia, South Carolina and attended the university of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, um, I spent my junior year abroad there. Uh, and I was in France and that year just changed everything. And I, I came back thinking everybody should have to do a junior year abroad. Yeah. It was, uh, it was tough. You know, that first month you're just kind of getting into it and, and enjoying the experience. But then I, I remember my, my sister had gone abroad. She did England and mm-hmm. she said that that one month mark for her was really hard. And I hit that too. You just get real homesick. You're mm-hmm. having fun, but you're thinking, okay, I might be done having fun. <laughs> Let's go home now. Yeah. Uh, but then you quickly get over that. And then you're living this, this lifestyle that, uh, you know, I haven't been able to recreate. <laughs> since then, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but yeah, just living with other people, seeing their perspectives on Americans mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it, it's, there's, yeah, there are other perspectives. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so did you live with a family or were you living in a dorm? I lived in a dorm. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but you know, traveled around, I had some friends of friends and we, we just kind of hooked up and um, one of them was an exchange student in Spain. And so we got to go see her family and just traveled around. Uh, you know, I met a lot of friends obviously at the university there. Mm-hmm. And so we would go around and visit their families, you know, okay. for on the, on the different breaks and vacations. And so that was really great. And we've been back to visit them since. And so that's, that's awesome to have somebody in Austria that you can just buzz up and say, I know we haven't talked in 10 years, but I'm coming to your couch. (laughs) Yeah. um, Keep those connections. Yeah. Lifelong friends for sure. (laughs) Where did you, where were you in France? So I was in a town called Saint-Étienne and it's near Lyon. If you know where that is, which is like central France. Yeah. And um, it was a very industrial place. Mm -hmm. Um, it was not the glamour of Paris, which was my first choice, but, yeah. uh, but I, I did fine. <laughs> I well, did fine. Yeah. We had a really good time. And, you know, I, I remember getting in trouble in my uh, class. I was te- attending one school, which was a French as a second language class. And the teacher asked me a question. I said, what? And she's like, pardon me, Mrs. Best. <laughs> she said, <laughs> you know, you, I know you, I see that you've been hanging out with the locals and you've picked up the slang, but <laughs> when you speak to your teacher, you say we, oui. <laughs> so <laughs> got in a little trouble for uh, being a little too native. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, that is interesting too, because I'm, I'm horrible with foreign language and my kids can certainly test. My two oldest ones went, older ones went to, um, France. One was in Metz, which is like east of Paris. And then mm-hmm. my daughter was in Lyon. So she told me all about that area and okay. all that. But, but you, you know, you book study and you learn sort of the, the proper language. And then when you go there, you hear slang and, you know, even, you know, you feel like you can be book smart in something. And then the way people are answering the phone or talking to each other or, you know, even talking about money or food, there's the slang that you almost have to pick up sometimes. And it's, 
Yeah. It takes a little while, doesn't it? Yeah. And it was amazing to me how hard it was to talk on the phone with someone. You know, I knew all the words and I knew what they were saying, but I just somehow that rhythm is, is hard to catch. And you're right. You know, I got there and I was, you know, Miss French poem competition winner and, and you know, <laughs> academic challenge winner. And I get there and the taxi driver answers my question. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what this man said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So very humbling, very. But, uh, you know, at the end, somebody uh, asked me if I was uh, from Belgium. And so they thought I was a native French speaker, even if it wasn't French. It's a huge compliment, it, right? I, I, I don't know. I think it may have been an insult. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, really? <laughs> For people to know. not recognize not sure and say, which, oh, you're American, right? <laughs> but I'm going to take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so, yeah. so were you... Um, Coming into college, did you mm-hmm. did you know what you wanted to study? I mean, obviously, language became a, a really big big deal for you. Um, were there other things you were interested in? Um, to, I don't know. What, what was your major in college? Well, so I was a double major with uh, French and okay. international studies. Okay. And again, I did that because my sister did it and uh, used her as a model. And, you know, I was listening to one of your podcasts. It was... Uh, Jessica Cohen, I think uh-huh. from Slack. Yeah. And I really identified with a lot of what she was saying. And I think she kind of had the same thing where it was, you know, I don't know what to do or how to do it. So if I just kind of follow somebody else's steps, I, I'll end up finding my own path, you know, right. but, but that one looked like it worked out, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. um, you know, that's kind of what I did. I didn't know what it meant or anything like that. Um, you know, looking back, I didn't take any business courses in college, which really blows my mind, but I just, I didn't know to do that. And I would say, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I look back on that, that I would definitely change. And, you know, I was having a conversation with my husband last night and he was talking about, um, you know, he, he works around artists a lot. And he says that he sees that a lot of the fine artists that really make it in life and, and are successful, a lot of them, they've, they've had business classes, you know? And so it's just interesting how no matter what you're in, having that kind of supplement of the business courses helps you just kind of navigate this world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I would change that, but I had, I had a great time. It was really interesting content, um, gave me a lot of opportunity. And of course I'm doing nothing with either of those majors right now. And yeah, that's okay. But yeah, it is, that's sort of how, you know, people's journeys sometimes wind up. And I've talked to a lot of folks that um, even in, you know, in like the software industry where they didn't need, they didn't major in computer science. I mean, mm-hmm. I had one of my best bosses ever was an English major in college. And I just remember my perception of an English major in college was that the only thing they could really do is go teach. And, right. you know, you think about how much, and, you know, you're, you're trying to predict the future, but you know, when nowadays we live off our computer and so everything is written Mm -hmm. communication. And, you know, now you think about somebody who can knock out, um, you know, a, um, a project summary or a business case or a statement of work. You know, if you've got a real good grasp of language, that's, Mm -hmm. that's easy for you to be able to kind of articulate that. And that's really important. So I never thought about it in that vein. I'm like, no, you should be taking accounting and finance and business (laughs) law and all that. Right. But to your point, I haven't used much business law, you know, in a while. So right. it's, uh, right. it's not really that, you know, it's, I think everybody, as long as you are continuing to learn, and that's what I've really realized, because even in technology, you know, the computer science that I could have majored in in college, 
they don't even do those anymore. Well, man, I may still have those uh, AS 400s, but um, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <do. laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah. um, so much changes, and you have to continue to learn. So um, even if you didn't study, you know the strict business role, you sort of pick that up as you go. So, yeah, yeah, you definitely pick it up as you go. And, um, you know, I think, I think back, you know, you were, we were talking about how you kind of choose what you're going to go into in college. I just remember having no idea. I didn't even know what these majors meant. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know what they were. Yeah. And, you know, I think back and, you know, something I hope to do with my kids, you know, they're uh, 11 and nine now. But and I hope I remember this, but um, I really want them to, you know, leverage my network right now mm-hmm. and have an opportunity to go, you know, shadow my friend who works at a different company or in a different industry and just, you know, go take a summer job with them or even just pick their brain or something because mm-hmm. just understanding what's out there. I didn't know what it meant to work at a job, you know, I mean, I was, <clears throat> I had waited tables, I had you know, worked at stables. I had, you know, I'd done jobs, but not, you know, that kind of career, you know, path, you know, and understanding that. So I love, I love what you're doing here with this podcast, because I think it's exactly that type of resource that's helpful, you know, to understand that people's journeys are kind of all over the place, but, you know, it's, it's going to be okay, but there's interesting stuff out there you might want to look for. Yeah, for sure. You know, and that's, that's, uh, that's really the important lesson I'm trying to convey to the younger audience. Mm-hmm. So you, you come back, so you come back from France. Mm-hmm. Did, were, did you change kind of maybe what your intentions were coming into college or your first couple of years into, Hey, my senior year, I really want to focus on this particular area. What was your thinking? Well, I, at that point, originally, I was just an international studies major. And then once I had that French experience behind me, I was able to move into a uh, double major. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but, I, you know, I don't think I really changed direction. I was still, you know, enjoying what I was doing. Um, I wrote my senior thesis. I don't recall specifically what it was, but it was like uh, the treatment of women as witches. <laughs> <laughs> looking at old literature and stuff. And it's just funny to think back on that. I was like, where was I going with that? (laughs) I don't know. That's hilarious. You know, I was just enjoying the college life and, uh, you know, enjoying my friends. I was meeting my future husband at this point and, um, you know, just enjoying independent life and, Mm -hmm. you know, coming back thinking, okay, how am I going to get back to Europe? And uh, how am I going to get a job in Europe? And that was, you know, what I was thinking at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's funny. I, when I got out of college, I ended up just kind of waiting tables for a little Mm -hmm. while. And my dad was so mad. (laughs) He he was saying, you know, you're missing out on all the opportunities that your friends have, you know, and, and everybody who's graduating with you is going out and kind of seizing life and you're not, you know, uh, and again, listening to Jessica Cohen, I was, you know, some of the things she was saying, I was like, that was me. That was me. Yeah. Um, what was this that you, were you just not sure the, the kind of the direction you wanted to go? So you're just going to try and evaluate life for a little bit or what was your thing? Well, yeah. And I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I likely just didn't leverage the resources that were probably there for me at the, the university, but yeah. you know, I thought, okay, great. Now, what do I do? What are the careers in international studies and French? You mm-hmm. know, I don't yeah. want to be a French teacher. I don't think, 
Um, it would be fun, but I feel like I need to leverage the rest of my, um, you know, experience. And, and I just did not know what to do, how to look for it. And, you know, nobody in my circle, you know, other than my sister. So my sister ended up, she was big into math and um, she ended up being, um, she worked for the Australian embassy in DC and she's like writes trade policy or something. So she found a way to get that, you know, international relations and math and, and kind of merge those into each other, Mm -hmm. um, her economics background. uh, And I just wasn't there. And I thought, well, I just, don't know what to do. And, you know, it's, so it's interesting because I, I ended up stumbling into my first job, which is ultimately what took me to product management. It was just kind of that, that first kind of step in that flow. And uh, I was waiting tables and I remember, I remember the moment I was walking from a table into the kitchen and my brain, I just, something changed in my brain. And I said, okay, I'm ready. And I, I had been waiting tables for maybe three years at this point mm-hmm. and I loved it. I was good at it, you know, and it just was, uh, I was able to be a 20 something year old without, you know, too much responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I just decided, okay, I'm ready. And which was great. Cause I feel like I needed that to, yeah. to start moving. And one of my coworkers was a graphic designer at this company called Renaissance Interactive. And she said, we're looking for an office manager. Why don't you just dip your toe in? Just start getting a day job. And, you know, because we she was working through it with me. And uh, I went in, applied for the job, and they uh, brought my resume in. And they said, oh, man, we just hired somebody like an hour ago. So uh, I missed out on that job and went to work that night waiting tables. And I waited on this table. And you could tell it was a, a group of business people who worked together kind of having a meeting at dinner. And at the end of the meal, they hand me the credit card and it said Renaissance Interactive, which is that company. Yeah. And I said, you are kidding me. I can't it's believe this. Yeah. Right. I said, I just went into your office today and I was looking for a job and you had just hired somebody. So, you know, missed opportunity. We almost worked together. Ha ha. And their chief marketing officer was like, I want you to come in tomorrow. Bring your resume. You have a job. And oh, wow. I didn't know what he was hiring me for. I was pretty sure I was not qualified for it, (laughs) Um, but they liked how I waited tables. And, you know, it's funny because you're always making an impression, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't necessarily know that, or you're not hyper aware of that. And so, uh, you know, waiting tables is a hard job, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, To do it well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like everybody should have to do it at some point to understand the stresses and, and what you deal with. So, uh, so I think, yeah, you learn about customer service, you learn about, um, you know, sales and, you know, how to represent your product. I mean, there's lots of things that you can, you know, really get experience and you learn how to read people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was just kind of lucky. Yeah. Getting that job and that, um, it was a commerce company. Yeah. And that was another great, um, I think, lesson is that you just never know when opportunities are going to present itself. Right. Right. So for you kind of maybe, you know, being a bit bold, but, you know, certainly part of your personality is, you know, here's a funny comment. We're engaging with it. And I think they liked a little bit of that moxie, like, you know what, this person's go getter, you know, and so and instead of you going, "Ah, I'm not, they already, 
they already told me I, I wasn't, you know, able, able to get hired yesterday or earlier today. So I'm not going in tomorrow. You went in, right? right? You brought your resume. And there's an open door. And that kind of, you know, kicked off your, you know, your next level of career. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and little did I know, I mean, this was an e-commerce company. This was early in the days of e-commerce. People kind of, you know, we're still, we're just figuring it out. So that's a great environment to move into. It was a startup and uh, everybody's experimenting and learning. So nobody expects anybody to be an expert. And mm -hmm. that was great. And I came in as the marketing coordinator and I knew nothing about marketing. <laughs> yeah. So, but I learned, you know. Well, yeah, I think that's, again, we we're talking earlier about learning, right? So it's uh, getting exposure in a smaller company to a breadth of um, roles and experience and how people work together and how mm -hmm. connected everything is, you know, in a bigger company, you can get siloed and you don't realize, you know, if I do or don't do something, this is how it affects the rest of the organization because you can get right. kind of hidden or siloed. Yeah. Did they give you any sort of training as uh, whether it was like, um, hey, you know, follow Nancy around for a couple weeks and kind of see how things go or would they just kind of throw you into the fire? What would that look like? Um, well, so actually the, uh, my manager had, um, was at the end of her pregnancy and she was just green sick the whole time. <laughs> she kept her door closed and was, uh, bless her heart. I mean, she was in a, in a bad way, uh, at that time. And so I got no training and I just remember, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I remember walking into her and basically saying, I don't know what my words were, but I basically said, how do you turn the internet on? <laughs> <laughs> and I just didn't know. And, you know, there were kids who were into computers where I was, but you know, in, in my, age group or whatever, but I just had not been really exposed to that. So, uh, so I learned from my peers, it was the people around me. And um, I kind of had to come up with my own work to do. And, uh, you know, she just was, you know, on her way out, and then she went on maternity leave. So I just had to go to the other people around, you know, and help them out, you know, and everybody mm -hmm. was willing to give me something to do. Yeah. Um, so that was great. And I mean, I learned so much uh, through those years and, and I was there um, with that company. And then, you know, there were actually several iterations of that company. We took the IP when, you know, kind of the, the first project didn't work out. Um, so it ended up kind of stretching over uh, two or three kind of company iterations. Mm -hmm. And so I was with the, the same CEO leadership team through, you know, through those iterations and, uh, learned so much. And I, I've got to say, you know, the, my boss there, the CEO there took a lot of chances on me and he would always just say, yeah, I remember one time he was supposed to be speaking at a conference in California and he ended up securing a meeting with Microsoft, which was a big deal for our little company at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so he tells me it's, you know, I guess the week before the speech, he says, I can't go. So I'm going to have you go speak for me. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm his executive assistant at the time or something. I don't know. I, don't, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I had never given a presentation and he just, he said it as if it could be true and real. And as if I were going to do a good job. And I just, I lost my mind that week and I was so <laughs> nervous. And, but I got a trip to San Francisco. 
Um, I didn't die you know, yeah. while I yeah. was up on stage mm-hmm. and I got some amazing experience and that I have been so blessed in my career with uh, several people who give me things bigger than maybe I think I'm ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, give me those challenges beyond me and yeah. just trust me with it. And I'm thinking, why are you trusting me with this? You know, but then, you know, after a while I learned, eh, you know, if I fail, I fail, but whatever, he trusts me enough to, yeah. to give me this. And so just go do it and it, it'll turn out fine. <laughs> yeah. Know? And uh, so that, that was, I, I just, really grew so much, you know, going from that marketing coordinator with no experience to, you know, I was doing corporate communications at the end. I was working with the um, advisory board, dealing with the investors, you know, um, and just really, really had a, a lot of growth there. So that was great. So I, I definitely recommend, you know, don't run away from the people who are putting you out there or who are challenging you more because you're going to grow. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't shy away from opportunities. Um, to your point, you know, no one's going to die over it. You know, if, right. if things don't go well, you learn from it, and that's part of life. Is you know, picking it up, and and you, you know, you did better than you probably thought you were going to do, and so you put the work in and had a a boss slash mentor that mm-hmm. put you in situations <clears throat> where you could grow, and that's really important too, is to find those. Right, right. I'm so yeah. thankful for for that. Um, Awesome. So, so it, it changed um, owners or merged or had some, some growth over time. What was kind mm-hmm. of the next, the next step for you? Well, so, you know, while I was there, one of the things my boss gave me was uh, since it was an e-commerce company, and this is kind of the later years uh, when it had um, Renaissance Interactive was gone. We had been through Impressa and now it's a signet. And um, he had me, trying to see what it, what it was like to be one of our customers. And so I opened an e-commerce business. He said, just sell something, whatever you want, <laughs> start a business. And so I ended up having these companies drop shipping handbags, unique handbags to my customers for me. I was running a little business and um, I really, really developed uh, an empathy for the, for the client at, through that experience. Cause you get to see, you know, places where we were making it easy on them, not making it easy. And that was really my first taste of product, uh, product management, where I was able to say, this is hard to use. We need more options here. And so I was able to feed into our features. <clears throat> and um, so, you know, learning to take care of your customers' needs. We were specializing in small businesses as our clients. And I loved serving those small businesses and the CEO just really had a heart for them. And, and so it was, uh, <clears throat> we just felt a real uh, close connection to our customers. And so I'm, I'm thankful, you know, for having that experience, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the co- that company closed down. And so um, I, you know, I went out and I found alternative solutions for all of our clients that were left. And I transitioned them to other e-commerce products. I was just looking the other day, one of them still on the tool um, that that we put them on. Um, You know, I reached out to one of the clients recently just to say hi and, you know, kind of reach out through the ages. 
Um, he, and he was great and he's doing, he's doing awesome. And he was thankful to us for what we had done for him as a company and, and me personally, the interactions with him and, and what I did. So it's always great to kind of see them thriving. And mm-hmm. you've, it, it felt like being a multiplier, right? Because he was able to employ more people as his business became more successful and we were powering that, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So that felt good. But ultimately that business, uh, did not thrive, unfortunately. Um, our business. And so, uh, you know, I ended up reaching out just actually on Facebook saying, okay, does anybody know of anything, Yeah, you know, in Atlanta and I, you know, immediately got a response back. So again, put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. You never know. Um, yeah. well, and plus you I, had, sorry to interrupt. Plus you uh, had at the time e-commerce wasn't the big deal that it is now. So you probably had some really good early experience with how that works. You know, you mentioned drop shipping and there's a website mm-hmm. and there's a cart and payments and all that stuff. So you learned that early on, you probably had some really marketable skill sets. Right. Right. And so um, it, it was, you know, like I was saying, it was fun because everybody was figuring it out. Nobody mm-hmm. was the expert. So you really get to get in there and participate, you know, um, without those barriers and, and you're going to fail a lot, but that's okay. You know, we got in there and, um, and that was fun. And so my next step actually was a company that, um, was doing user generated video and video sharing. And this was new because I remember when I first started working there, we would have, you know, the head of marketing would come to us from, you know, some big company and say, I don't know what this video sharing is, but I need to get it. So just make it happen. You know, yeah. but like they didn't even know what they were asking for. They were just giving us money to, to do it. <laughs> yeah. Fear of missing out maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and that was fun. Uh, yeah. That was fun. And that was, you know, social media was um, blowing up. Uh, it was really cool because we would do video promotions like these contests and, you know, you would see these social media stars pop up. There was this one guy who would, you know, write songs for these contests. And he was amazing. And he started making so much money from winning contests that he would travel the world and, and do a video from a ship or something, you know, it was just crazy. It wow. was a crazy time. Yeah. The wild um, west of uh, video back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, that was really fun. And, um, you know, that's when I learned that kind of struggle between, um, and, you know, we had this a little bit at, at the prior company as well, but um, that, kind of tension between should you be customizing for these big clients and, you know, really satisfy all of their needs, or do you focus on the standardization of your platform so that everybody can leverage that? So how do you walk that balance without creating, you know, one code base off here Mm -hmm. that's got all this jazz in it. That's awesome for that one client, but it can't be used for the others. Yeah. You can't scale that way. Yeah. So, so that was, um, one of our things I also learned. So kind of back to the product skills piece. Um, so at this point I was called an engagement manager, so it wasn't product management. And, um, but the way our role worked is we were basically a product manager. So we, we had to combine account management, project management and product management all in Mm -hmm. one. Um, so I learned a lot about that cross-functional team management, which is so fun. And, but that's one of those things that as a product manager, you know, they're definitely looking for that on your resume. Um, You know, on the one hand, we were setting priorities and road mapping, doing timelines for the development team, 
And then you've got the training team over here that needs content, you know, and, and an explanation, the, the technical writers, you know, writing the help content. Yeah. Um, you got to tell marketing, let marketing know what you're up to, what's coming down the pipe and, you know, what's so great about the product. Um, you know, working with distributed teams, we had a team, I think it was in Ukraine, um, New York. So, so all of those skills, that was a great, great, great training ground at that startup as well. Um, so in a role that was not billed as a product manager, but it was using all those skills. It hadn't really sort of, I guess, um, you know, morphed into the product management role and sort of that um, more mature aspect of what it is now, because it's certainly more refined. You were doing a lot of the same things. It just was not necessarily called that, right? Right, right. And we didn't, you know, my boss was the head of product and we didn't have product managers really at that time. And then we did get some, you know, we hired people in specifically for that role. Mm-hmm. And then I would partner with them, at, you know, um, on on those activities. But I can't say enough about working for a startup. And I know, um, you know, it may be one of those things that's, you know, your the time of your life, uh, you know, because you know, startups can be risky. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I, at some point in my life, I made a, a change that uh, was right for my family at the time as we were starting family. But at this point, you know, it was great. I, I could work late hours, you know, but mm-hmm. what I love about working in a startup is you get to do everything. You're doing QA one day, you're doing marketing one day, you're doing product and you're just getting it done and delivering that value, right? And serving your customers. Right. And, it's thrilling. It's great. I highly recommend it. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't catch that bug until later. And I know, mm-hmm. when, you know, when you get into sort of the mid to late nineties, it was a just an explosive growth with the internet and startups. There was venture capital, you know, up until the crash in 2000, um, there were a lot of folks that I knew that were in startups and I was, I just started this job with the Olympics, which was like one of my dream jobs. And so it was sort of this trade-off. It was a small company, but it wasn't a necessarily a startup in the tech field. And so I remember being like, wow, you know, I mean, I love this job, but should I be doing a startup with these, all these other people I know? And um, then when it crashed, I'm like, nope, nope. Pretty, pretty glad that I didn't do that. But (laughs) to your point, you know, I think it was, it's really important. I think for everyone, especially if you're working in, corporate environment to really understand how a smaller company operates, the nimbleness, the shifting around, you're, you're sharing a lot of responsibilities, you're getting visibility, you're getting a lot of great experience. So yeah, I got, I got my, actually when I left Mannheim, that's sort of where I really jumped into the startup world Mm -hmm. and got to really see the benefits of that. So, so yeah, you check two boxes now, study abroad and startups. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't know I was that brave, but Hey, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're pioneering this. So that's great. I know. I know. I'm more adventurous than I thought I could. <laughs> so how did, so <laughs> you don't give yourself enough credit. So how did you come to Mannheim? So Mannheim was, I, between that, that uh, last company and Mannheim, I um, went to this really cool company. They were music download software. Okay. And, um, you know, basically it was kind of like the iTunes for Sony and Warner, you know, all the major record labels. Mm-hmm. So they were my clients. That was, it felt glamorous, you know, it was pretty cool. And, um, you know, they did uh, brand promotions, uh, u- leveraging music, right, to, mm-hmm. to drive engagement. And uh, t- 
totally fun. It was, it was great. There were seven of us. It was a startup, of course. And, um, but you know, I, at that point I had someone from Mannheim reach out to me, a friend of mine from many years. He, he's also the guy who told me about the victory opportunity mm-hmm. and um, he, he was starting his family too. And he, he said, you know, so here's the thing, Kelly, we've been in startups. We've done that. I'm in corporate now. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a great place to be when you're starting a family to have, you know, hopefully more stability mm-hmm. and better salary and, and all of that. And he said, um, you're not going to get this job. There's a position open. You won't get it. There's, I, I don't even remember how many people, the candidates that they were considering and several of them were internal. So the objective was just get in, learn about the company, maybe get to know some of the players. I came in and interviewed with you. You were one of the folks who mm-hmm. I met yep. and um, I ended up getting the job. Yep. <laughs> You probably didn't know that backstory. <laughs> I did not know that. No, but uh, yeah, I remember being impressed with you. You had a just a really great, I mean, just like the listeners have heard, you know, you had a really great story to tell and, and you did a lot of different roles and was just yeah. one of those go-getters too. So yeah. Well, mm-hmm. thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so I was flabbergasted. I mean, I couldn't believe I got the job and I thought, oh, okay. So we're really doing this, you know, um, but it was great. You know, like I said, it was a good move for the family, um, you know, and uh, it's, it's what we needed. And I hated leaving that startup world, but, um, but man, you know, Mannheim was really where I was able to settle into that product management role. You yeah. know, I, I had had all this client management experience, dabbled in the marketing space, communications, um, you know, all, all of these kind of things were adding up and, um, you know, having had that product experience at the last company, um, it just, you know, kind of all came together and so, I love this job. I yeah. love it so much. And I, I didn't know it was a thing back when I was in college or else I probably would have targeted it. You know? Yeah. Well, tell me about this. Cause you had a, a number of small startup companies. Were you concerned about coming into this massive corporation um you know were there were there some hesitancy that you had or were you like okay i'm ready to turn the page and this next chapter is going to be great i'm going to mm-hmm. dive into it yeah it was really intimidating and um you know also i mean the industries i had been in a lot of them were emerging spaces mm-hmm. so again nobody knew what they were doing we move in here and everybody knows what they're doing we're an automotive you know these i know nothing about the automotive industry and uh, how is that going to go? But, you know, I would say for the folks who are starting out their career, um, I think one thing that's important to know is that you, you know, as a product manager, I'm bringing certain skills to the table, right? Mm-hmm. And they're hiring for that because they need someone with those skills. Now, I'm going to learn about the automotive industry. And yes, it would be helpful if I had experience there. But if you're someone who's going to go and learn and listen and jump in on it, then you're going to be fine. You can learn any, any industry. And, you know, I'm kind of in that place now where I'm looking at my next step and I'm thinking, where am I going to go? And I just, I have much more ease about it now than I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of know it's going to be okay. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I think once you've had, you know, some reps and you kind of know really more about what your strengths are, um, mm-hmm. what you're willing to do and, and your value and what you can bring to it. And once you sort of have some of those, those accomplishments, you know, you can really, really jump in 
you know, right. to anything going forward. And, you know, you mature a little bit and you, you get an understanding about how companies work and where their gaps are. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you were at Mannheim and then it became Cox Automotive. So I know mm -hmm. that was, that was after I had left and there was all this integration with different things. How was that transition? Was there, um, was there some culture warfare going on? Cause I know sometimes when you have acquisitions, I saw this with the travel in industries, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's usually a blending of, of, uh, groups and sometimes it's not always cohesive, but how did you, how did you manage to go through that? Yeah, it's interesting. I that's when I discovered that I'm actually good with change. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a lot of change, and even when you were there, you know, there 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 was a good cycle of change. And that's one of the things I think about corporate that you know um, you've got leadership that will change over time. And mm -hmm. um, you know, when I think back at at Mannheim and my time there, I think um, the the, the amount of change, the the growth that came out of that for me um, was very beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have when you have a new leader come in and they might have different objectives, like, okay, now we're Cox Automotive, we're not Mannheim. And so you have to think, oh, well, I was thinking about these problems to solve. Now I got to think about those problems to solve mm -hmm. too. Uh, it's actually kind of fun, you know? Well, yeah. oh, great. Does that mean we can borrow something they have over there and leverage it, you know? Yeah. We've got data all over this place. And, uh -huh. you know, that, that was a great opportunity. Um, but, you know, you have different leaders come in with completely different styles. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have some who are you know, old school product management and they want things to work a certain way and they have a picture in their head of what that looks like. Um, often that comes with a lot of documentation, um, you know, uh, different types of artifacts that you create. And mm -hmm. then you're going to have somebody else come in who, you know, they don't care if you write it down as long as it gets done. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. So trying to kind of, you know, you may be more comfortable with one of those than mm -hmm. the other. And yeah. so finding how to keep your strengths. And if, if you're with a leader who doesn't like documentation and just wants to get it done, you can still do that documentation. You know, you create your things. They're going to help mm -hmm. you organize your work and, um, you know, just, you know, try, you're always going to develop bad habits whenever the weather changes or whatever. And so you just got to keep reminding yourself, you know, to kind of, you know, what were those strengths before of that other person, you know, and, and kind of bring those in. Um, but, you know, again, you learn so much, you learn from your peers in that, you know, they're, that's what I loved about the moving into the corporate is there were so many people, you know, and, and, you know, just our product team had, yeah. you know, so many people that you could learn from and each one's strong at something, you know, so you can kind of uh, learn from that. And there's no shame in learning from your peers, you know, or someone who's, you know, lower than you on the totem pole, you, so to speak, you know, mm -hmm. it's, we should all be learning from each other because the goal is just to get better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And that's, those are really, that's good advice for, you know, kind of navigating change in a corporate mm -hmm. environment, you know, it's certainly applicable outside the corporate environment as well. Um, right. Tell me like, you know, you've had, you've had a lot of experience in product. Tell me some of your best practices in the product management space. If you could kind of summarize it up in a couple mm -hmm. of aspects. Um, so listening, right. So listening to your customer, having empathy for your user, your customer. Um, I loved it at Mannheim for a good portion of my tenure there. 
I was serving the employees of Mannheim. So all the auction employees and their technology. Mm-hmm. And I loved that because, you know, again, it's that multiplier. If I, if I can make your job easier, then you're going to give better customer service to our customers who at the end of the day are paying the bills. Right. And so yeah. just always understanding that everybody is a user, everybody's, um, you know, experience is important to, to bring in to, um, you know, to, to what you're designing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd say that's important. Um, again, kind of going back to that change management, um, when, when there's flux or, or things are changing in the company, it's easy to lose focus. And so every time you have a, a change in, in how you structure the teams or whatever, you're moving to agile, maybe, you know, you're moving to a different uh, product development um, method, it, it, you lose a lot of time and momentum. And so um, the product manager, I think, is really key. And that's one of the things I loved about my job was we are the ones who are taking that vision that's coming from, you know, the the strategic folks, the ones who are, you know, the business who's saying, this is where we want to take the business. You're taking that, you're breaking it down and making it into something tangible that can be built and used, right? And so, um, you know, breaking that down and making it digestible for the teams who are going to be building it or executing on it and just always, always providing context and that strategic vision when mm-hmm. you're when you're heading into that development phase because that helps them focus clearly on what they're doing because all the noise of the organization is distracting but if mm-hmm. they know very clearly well my current mission is bite size and i know what i'm doing and where we're heading with that um then it it kind of helps, you know, it takes out some of that waste and some of that distraction. Um, and, and so the product manager is, is key, I think, in, in that middle space. And your translator, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I was worried about not having enough technical experience, right? I didn't study computer science, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, but boy, you really pick it up. And um, I don't have to be the technical expert, but it's fun to learn it and to be able to explain it to other people, to explain it to the operations folks or the business folks or whoever. Um, so you get, you get to have that excitement and diversity mm-hmm. of maybe being in a startup or, you know, maybe playing a lot of, wearing a lot of different hats, you know, you get all of that in being a product manager. So just, you know, be organized and be focused and try to just tune out all that noise and say, you know, I I see the vision, I see where we're going and I'm going to break that down into the bite-sized pieces so we can attack it, you know? Yeah. um, Yeah. That's a great description of some of the best practices and you know you know as well as i do a product manager it's one of the hardest jobs in any organization because to your point you know you're hearing a lot of noise you're that focal point for every stakeholder bringing in strategy and vision breaking that down in certain ways having to prioritize it having know all the pieces fit together and when it needs to happen Mm -hmm. feedback from your customers what's important sometimes what they're asking for is something that 
you know, maybe you can't deliver or maybe they don't know exactly what they want. So now you're having to sort of experiment a little bit. So a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of trial and error, experimentation, communication is critical, right? Right. But, uh, yeah. It's a good way to kind of summarize all those things. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'd also say looking at the problem from different angles mm -hmm. is important. So you're, in product, you're you're getting those voices from operations, from customer support, from clients, from everybody, right? You're hearing all those different perspectives and they kind of filter in through you. So mm -hmm. um, you're in a great position to understand the different perspectives. Um, but you, you also, as a product manager, have to represent... Um, understand the technology. So, you know, I've been in software development, so my products have been software products. And, um, you know, you sometimes you have to stop doing the fun, shiny new things that are so cool and fun to throw in because it's another bullet on your marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to make sure that it's the system's up, right? <laughs> you know, so yeah. if, you know, the users can't access that product, obviously it's of no value to them. So, cool. you know, understanding that prioritization and saying sometimes you got to slow down or devote a certain amount of capacity to, you know, making sure you're implementing monitoring, um, capturing data, you know, the web analytics and all those things. So you have to, you have to look at that product and love it from all the different angles um, you know, which can be challenging because yeah. you're <laughs> you Yeah. Know? It's a never ending stream of information that you got to sort through. Right. Yeah. Right. That's great. So, um, last question for you, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? Um, so don't let what you don't know, hold you back. You know, this notion of, I can't go into that industry because I know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. um, I can't do that job. And I, I've heard you refer to this on some other podcasts as well. You know, that as a woman, um, I, I, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman. I don't know if it's that or if it's just my personal experience. But, you know, I, I would say, well, you know, I, I don't know how to do that. So I'll let the people who know how to do it take it. You know, mm -hmm. um, but they didn't know how to do it either. And yeah. they just jumped in and took it. And whether it was a man or a woman or whoever it was, those people just jumped in and they took that job and they went with it. And mm -hmm. you can do that too. And uh, just leverage your resources. You know, if you're, if you're young and just starting out in your career, ask your parents, friends for advice, see what they do. Ask them if they know anybody in the industry you're interested in and just leverage all those resources, read, understand what's important, read job descriptions for the job, and then say, I don't know what, you know, cross-functional management is, you know, go learn yeah. what it is. And um, because you can do it, you can do it and just, it's okay. You know, what you don't know is basically just, that just represents what you will know in the future, right? One day you will know it. Yeah. Yeah, and that, those are good habits to do at any point in your career. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's the earlier you can learn that. And I think, you know, just mentioning being female in a corporate environment, then, you know, things are certainly changing, you know, in the last five years, but we still have a long way to go. And, you know, my organization, we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion and some of the things that are microaggressions. And, you know, as, as a white dude, you know, I don't think about a lot of those things because it's sort of, you know, implied moment. I mean, it's a personality issue or a certain individual. And, you know, as you start to, talk to other people and you hear all the same things you're like hmm 
yeah, there's definitely a pattern here and maybe there's different ways we can do it. So I think empowering women to stand up for themselves, you know, there's right. that fake, fake it till you make it. You know, a lot of times I think women are more realistic about what their their skills or their experiences are. And sometimes guys just are, you know, they roll with it and, you know, it's, right. yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it's anything that, you know, I, I don't see it as a thing that, you know, the men are coming after us and, and, you know, doing this to us. I mean, this is something that it's just, it's just something about our experience as, you know, females maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not all, all women. You know, I think a lot of people learn the lesson early on that it's okay to ask for what you want and to try things and to jump out there and be bold. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just think that a lot of us just were, you know, had a, had a different experience when you were younger and coming up. And so that's just kind of translating into the workspace. So it's just, you know, just having that confidence to say, Oh, I can ask for it. Okay. It's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think too, there's, there's still some the perception, you know, where if, if a man asks for something, you know, they're, they're bold, courageous, or they've, you know, got some balls to them. And, and, right. you know, for a female to ask for something, then it comes off as being bitchy, you know, and so right. I think exactly. breaking you do down do that. that, that stereotype, you know, I think is, is an awareness. And I think, you know, from men, we can certainly be allies to recognize the situation and say, you know what, you know, here's something that's going on. We you know whether it's in a, in a mentoring role or a peer role, or, you know, even family, you know, I, there's things right. that I will, you know, talk to my daughters about and, and, you know, my wife is definitely not shy. She's very assertive. And I, I know I, I recognize that and I appreciate that. I think she's a great role model for my girls to follow. Right. Right. And, you know, the thing is I, I was in a situation and didn't know it where it was, um, I knew there were a lot of men around. I recognized that, but, mm. um, you know, being in technology, I'm kind of used to that. I didn't realize the mentality that was in that space and that I was really on the outside of that and didn't realize that. And I will speak my mind and I'll just run off at the mouth and, and speak my mind and not in a mean way, you know, I'm not trying to run over anybody, but you know, it, Hey, we're talking about a topic. I have an opinion on it. Yeah. I did not realize that it was not appreciated <laughs> Yeah, because I was a woman. And so that was really eye opening to me that it really is there. It, it absolutely is there. And, you know, I'm, uh, on a different side of that situation now. And I'm just thankful that I'm not in that situation, you know? Yeah. So, well, so that's, that's a, but that's a great point. How would you, how would you recognize that environment and how would you resolve that situation without you having to compromise who you are? Yeah. Again, I, I do think it's observation and kind of picking up on some subtle signals where, you know, and maybe even test the water a little bit and say, if, if I try this, how will it be received? Um, but you know, you, I think you just keep working around it and it's fine because, you know, again, we were talking about organizational change. Things will change. There's going to be a new boss in town. Mm -hmm. You're going to get shuffled around, or you're going to see an opportunity over there that you want to go take. And you can say, you know what, I'm going to go try that for a minute, you know, and, and get your, get your way out of it. Mm -hmm. But, um, don't, don't compromise yourself because what I learned in that situation is there were other people around me who were also living in that environment and they were seeing me, a lot of the women were seeing me stand my ground and mm -hmm. just be confident in it. And, you know, I, after later, after it all kind of came out, they were like, you know, we've been living in that and seeing you not afraid to speak up. It was great because it just felt like we were just making progress. We were focused on the business and we were focused on, you know, 
the progress and you were not afraid. You didn't back down. And it's not like it was a confrontational situation. It's just, I didn't realize at the time that they didn't think I had a place at the table. Mm -hmm. Right. And I kept sitting down at the table. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, other women were seeing that and, and they commented, they said, you know, I'm glad you did that because, you know, we, we deserve that seat you know? Yeah. Um, so even you stick with it because people are watching and people understand people see it. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> but well, and you probably didn't realize you were a role model either when you were doing it. Right. You were like you stuck to your guns. You felt like what was, what was right. And, you know, within your strengths and, and your natural personality and people were observing you and, and, right. you know, giving you kudos for it later. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kelly, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for sharing your journey. Thank you so much. It's great just to chat with you. This was uh, easy and fun and I hope it's helpful. Yeah. And I think uh, we can, we can circle back, you know, next year. I I always enjoy hearing, you know, more experiences about product management and and what your next chapter might look like. Yeah. Sounds great. Thanks thanks for the time.